Welcome to the AM Hookah Podcast, and we're live in three... Bracken, we're live right now. Two, one. Yeah, we're live right now, Bracken. What's going on, everybody? Real quick, let's just do this correctly, because I'm not Matt Dessen, meaning that I'm not who normally produces the show, meaning I could have ruined everything. Let me know if you can hear everything we're saying and all that good stuff, um, obviously. And real quick... Um, just to, just to keep up with the, the the Joneses, what's up, Akeem Streamlabs, Noob Sauce, Pipe Dream, whoever the hell that guy is, Justin Rose of Death, Bracken Cox, Edge Games, and anyone I may have missed. Um, I am hold on, so I've got these notes right, and I'm very bad at doing the Matt does. So here we go. What's up, uh, Midnight Tokers, Afternoon Inhalers, and AM Hookah Smokers? This is the AM. Kind of hookah podcast, your weekly hookah podcast every Monday at 6:30 Central Standard Time here on YouTube and Twitch. I'm the A in AM Hookah, and the M decided not to show up today, so we let Bracken out of the production hole. Bracken, how are you? What's going on, Adrian? I'm happy to be here. Very good. I uh, I have a camera. You can see me. I had to like wear clean clothes and like wash the dirt off my face. It was it was a pleasant change of pace from normal Mondays. Well, I'm glad we were able to get you out of the hole for a little bit. Um, Matt, we know where he is. Well, most of us probably know where he is. He is still in New York. Actually, it's 7:30 EST. He's actually been in the air for probably about an hour now. I think he left at 6:30 EST, so he won't be joining us today. But he will be here on the regular Gamecast this Wednesday, and he will be here next uh, Monday for the normal podcast. So there's all that good stuff. Really quick, just some upkeep. Um, talk to chat. I already did that, Matt. Why'd you put that in the notes? Um, What's what are we smoking? And Bracken, this whole little segment we do on what are we smoking is brought to us by a sponsor. Is it not? We are sponsored. Definitely sponsored, but it's not sold out. We well, you guys absolutely love the product, so it makes sense. The big sh- big shout out thanks to Prestige Bubbles Cocoa Coals. They are the official coal of the AM Hookah Podcast. They keep our bowls lit, and they keep our hookahs smoking. So thank you to them. If you want to try them out, we have a link below where you can try them out, and uh, it's our Amazon affiliate link. So you know it supports us. It supports them. It supports everybody, and uh, you know then you get to smoke more hookah because you have charcoal. So I'd say buy a box. See if you like them, and once you love them, get the lounge case a couple times a year. It's so much easier. You'll be good to go. If you're looking for a personal recommendation, I would recommend the Prestige Jumbo Flats. Why? Because they're the only flat on the market that weighs on average 2 to 4 grams more than a regular flat, which equates to, like, roughly 10 hours more burn time. If you're like me and you like... 10 hours. 10 minutes. Did I say 10 hours? You did. You said 10 hours. It's 10 hours of burn time extra for four grams of extra coal. Very good. Definitely don't sue us, Prestige Coconut Coal, for the false advertising. Anyway, so Bracken, why don't we start with you? What are you smoking? What are you smoking out of? Well, I did a poll on our Facebook page. If you're not a part of the Facebook page, it's too late to make the vote because I've already packed it. But join our Facebook page. We post polls and videos, and we have a lot of conversation that continues after the show on the hookah page of the face of the AM hookah podcast. And uh, I asked what pipe should I pack? And uh, everybody voted. My options were the DSH, the B2, my Regal and my Saoka. You guys chose the Regal. So today we're smoking out of my Regal King Melick Nutwood. It's that dark brown with the black accents. I got it on a clear jar base because I think that the clear base looks really nice with the Regal. 
Uh, also, I can't afford a really nice bohemian glass base. So if you can't go big, go as simple as possible. And uh, people will think the same both ways. Remember what Bracken said about the boho. It'll matter in about 10 minutes. Me, I'm smoking too. As usual on the Aim Hookah podcast, I'm smoking out of a hookah. It's going to be a white matte pair, stone fit on the top. On the top of the stone fit, I have one Cloud Lotus Plus. Inside of the Cloud Lotus Plus, guess what kind of coals I got? Bracken, do you have a guess what kind of coals I got? I have no idea. What kind of coals did They're you use, Adrian? Prestige Jumbo Flats. Very good. Favorite coal. Um, right up in top, heat my bowl. There are the Jumbo Flats. I got two on deck over here waiting. Elfocker Double Apple. I got a, for anyone who's, we're not, we're not really doing a big video segment, what did we do? I'll, I got one I'll let you guys know about. I'm short on tobacco because I got a big stock order coming from Hookah Shisha. Expect an unboxing on Pipe Dream Hookah and a more fun long form video on it on this channel. That's all the detail you're going to get. And obviously, I got the matching hose, and I put my hair tie on it because I am a princess. Um, that said... I thought that was the, I thought that was the, the persona mouth tip with it's, the yeah. lanyard wrapped around it. It's not. It's just Is that what tie. that is? It's just a hair tie, man. Is that so that you know where to stop so you don't go too far down with your lips? There's a problem I have. I will just go... <laughs> you know? You're like, scra- you're scratching your chin. You're like, oh, hold on. Yeah, exactly. It's a problem. Yeah. Um, okay, news. There's no real news. I do want to reiterate a couple things, though. This is important stuff. Matt's normally super enthusiastic about this. We've said this a few times, but for upkeep purposes, I think it's very important. Um, the hookah chamber. We did recently have a bit of a win. I'm not going to um, give all the details because I am not the most educated, which is why here on the AM Hookah Podcast, instead of me and Matt talking about it, we had a bunch of really well-educated people from the community and even in law and stuff in that area um, on two Mondays ago. So keep that in mind. But... Um, it looks like there was an amendment put through for hookahs and that whole thing going on in uh, California. And that is a big win for us. I'm expecting that everyone is clapping. That's a big deal. Um, I don't know what all the details are, but it's pretty much just in stone at this point. And that is a, I count that as a huge victory. Um, you don't hear a lot about like, oh, we won something in the hookah community. It's always bad news. So this is like the first, as yeah. long as I've been spoken, this is the first piece of like really good news that's come out of it. So that's really cool. So become a member of the hookah chamber because what they're doing is Speaking a big of deal. Chamber, right? mm-hmm. Adrian, what do we have to say to all of our viewers who aren't of legal smoking age? That's a good point. Normally, Matt triggers us. I'm glad you pay so much attention to our shows, Bracken. It's like we have you locked in Trigger, the dark I triggered it. It's like we have them locked in a dark room for us to watch the entire show live every Monday. Um, if you're under 18 in most states, and some states even under 21, depending on what state you're in, and you should know the legal smoking age for the state you're in, and if you don't, I can't help you get any smarter, please leave, because you're hurting us. You're part of the reason that we almost lost our ability to buy hookah tobacco from California, which is basically like not buying hookah tobacco from anywhere but like Texas. I think hookah sheesh is the only place outside of California that you can buy from. And uh, that's a serious issue. So if you kindly fuck off, and when your 18th or 21st birthday comes back, you come here, you tell us, and we're going to have a good time. Otherwise, please go. Your fucking mom's waiting for you. You've got homework to do. Everyone else, thank you for hanging out. Um, thank you, Bracken. I nearly forgot to even talk about that. Yeah, you just said something. If you turned 18 or you turned 21 and it triggers your legal smoking age, let us know on the Facebook page and uh, maybe we can like create some sort of like announcement slash excitement yeah. uh, protocol and like have like a little miniature 30 second party for mm-hmm. you because welcome to the hookah family. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're 17, you gotta go. 
And you know, if you if you smoked, so a lot of us smoke underage. Kids will be kids. Don't do that. But if you did that and you enjoyed it, and you think you might want to do it past the age of eighteen, like for your own good, just like wait. And when you turn 18, do it legally. That way you're not part of the chance that it goes away for the rest of us. Because you're shooting yourself in the foot when you do that too. Also, quit smoking your jewels in the bathroom and quit doing all that degenerate shit everyone's doing in high school because it's really bad. <laughs> um, it's not cool to have it in the homeroom. Don't do it. Yeah, stop, please stop doing that. So I work at, small story, I work at a gym part-time. And this guy, I was in the locker room. He was definitely 16. He was a high schooler. And he ripped off a jewel in the locker room. So I almost had to body a minor in the lock locker room. That was not good. So don't let me find you. That said, there is one other tiny piece of news. It's kind of old news. It just finished, actually. But the New York Gala event has just wrapped up. It was run by the guys over at THL. You might know them. Um, a lot of people showed up. If you go on any of the Hookah Facebook groups, you can see the parties they had. Matt Desmond was there. I'm sure he's going to tell us all about it on both the GameCast and next Monday's show, provided we have time. We have a pretty big show planned for next Monday. That said, that should just about do it for Upkeep Bracken. Yeah, big shout out to Justin, Ron, Rose of Death, Mark, Paul, Eddie, Khaled. Welcome. We see you guys in the chat. There was a quick question from Rose of F Death that he said, I thought HOH was out of Cali. Actually, they're based out of Colorado, so you can still buy tobacco from them. And you know what? We had him on the show. If you don't know about it, check it out. It's a broadcast while Adrian gets the water out of his hose like a noob. But uh, I just watched it. Yeah. I didn't so. But yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. If you're in the chat, let us know you're there. If you're watching and you've said something, we see it. If you're lurking, say hello. Introduce yourself if you're new. If it's your first time, hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell icon so you know when we go live. And welcome to the AM Hookah Podcast. If you're smoking with us, let us know what you're smoking. I know that we talked about what we're smoking. If you forget and we don't answer your question when you ask us, use the exclamation command smoke and it'll tell you what we're smoking. We literally have a robot uh, and what, that's going to tell you what we're doing. Yeah, we have a robot that tells us, and sometimes it's not nice, but I think we've managed to put the reins on it. Uh, also, if you have questions during the show, make sure you drop a couple question marks before and after. That way we can see it, and we can it'll stand out a little bit, um, and uh, we can answer it, hopefully. I know Austin's, hopefully, uh, Captain Wetbeard's in the chat. He's moderating the heck out of it for us, and so he'll pass those questions along to us if we miss them. And we're just going to have a good show. Yeah, so on to the show. By the way, it's 741 Eastern Time right now. That means we got through the upkeep part of the show in under 15 minutes. Matt and I are going to have to have a private meeting about the speed at the beginning of the show, no? Maybe. Probably not. I like Matt's got more charisma than me as far as heading the show. I just sit here and do dabs and make dink memes. Um, what are we talking about today? Today is... Bracken and I wanted to have a bit of a conversational podcast, which I know is a redundant thing to say, but a lot of the time you really focus hard on one specific subject and kind of have to go through different bullet points to make sure we hit everything. And today, Bracken and I really like the idea of slowing it down a little bit and having like a genuine conversation. And the topic we wound up coming up with was literally what the fuck matters in a hookah session. You've got all this information online, whether it be the old days of the, uh, the blogs and the forums or the new days of all these Facebook groups of people telling you how you should smoke hookah, what the rules are, and how to get the best session. And we're just going to discuss, um, not even objectively, it's going to be very subjective because hookah is kind of a subjective thing, um, how much of that is fact and how much of it's a big fucking fugazi. You know, there's certain things that you absolutely yeah. have to do and there's certain things that really come down to user preference, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's they're, they're, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, you know, like Adrian said, these are these are our opinions. So if we say something you don't agree with, let us know. You may do something different. You may have a counterpoint. We'd like to hear it. If we don't address it on the show, post it on the Facebook page. Get a conversation going. Start a thread. And, uh, you know, let's, let's build that community going some more. So, Bracken. So many people tell you. They tell you what to do. They tell you what not to do. And. You know, we've been doing it for such a long time that I don't even notice it anymore. But I'm sure, like, you know, for people who are brand new to the uh, to the hobby, they may they may be scouring the Internet for just somebody who is the guru to say, hey, this is what you need to do. And they'll take that and they'll hold on to it as as truth. Yeah, but and you don't maybe after today's episode, you people know, will kind of have a better understanding. And don't, you know, if this is your, if this podcast, and I know our fan base is pretty dedicated, you guys come back and watch us. Um, gro- gro- the growth here is very slow and steady, but, um, you know, we try to make it feel like everyone's friends here because basically everyone are friends. So if this is your first time you're watching this in the rebroadcast or you're lurking in the chat right now, and this is your first exposure to like this type of discussion, feel free to scour Facebook. Look at even the old forums. Look at YouTube videos because um, we are not the end of the information chain. We just know what we like, right? Um, that said, Bracken, you're going to notice I have a bunch of bullet points underneath the topic. Mm-hmm. These are not necessarily nece- things we necessarily have to talk about in sequence or even at all, depending on what we like to focus on. But I'd like sure. to head off with hookah. Okay, so you, you've, you've bought your first hookah, and maybe you're trying to figure out, okay, let's start this from like maybe a beginner's perspective, for instance. For sure. Um, you need to figure out how to make this pile of glass and assume I'm assuming it's some type of metal unless you're me I've got a plastic hookah mostly the interior is metal that doesn't matter you gotta figure out how to make this thing go from all these pieces this box of tobacco to this roll of foil and to something that you can like put together in and smoke out of smoke out of um and we're not going to go through the rigmarole of like, oh, here's how you set up a hookah. But there's a few things that a lot of people ask initially. And the first question I wanted to ask, because a lot of people have different opinions on this, but this is the biggest. Actually, you could type this into Google. Um, it's one of the first things that pops up when you're typing a hookah-based question into Google. Is, um, you know, how high should the water be? And it comes up as in the vase because of the way people search hookah terms on Google. Um, not everyone's part of our huge enthusiast community that, like, we call it a base. Um, but like water level is something I wanted to start on because I have like a bunch of hookahs and they all are a little bit different. And I wanted to get your perspective on like what your rule of thumb is. And it's interesting that I said that cause I have an opinion on thumbs on water level in a base. And does it vary from base to base? Hookah to hookah, different downstems. What's the deal? I think the rule of thumb is a really good way to put that because unless you have tiny, tiny fingers, use the rule of thumb, turn your thumb sideways. For me, if you're gonna if you're gonna start from the bottom of the down stem, and you're gonna put the water at the top of your thumb, that's probably enough water. You may want more water, you may want less water, but that's the kind of thing that you kind of have to figure out as you go. There are some bases out there that they're shaped different. There are some down stems that are smaller, that are bigger. You got a diffuser, you don't have a diffuser. I mean, the list of like subcategories that kind of will dictate how we answer that question just could really it could go on forever but yeah like, i think it's, it's just safe to just, uh, let's just like come to the assumption that we're starting from like a a stem with no diffuser or just you know a very easy starting point is the bottom of the down just stem, one piece right? of stainless that, steel cut at the bottom yeah so like on the regal right it doesn't have a diffuser nothing it's just it's got the bottom i generally put about a half an inch above that uh i, I want to see you know, I want to see enough uh, water to keep the downstem submerged while I'm smoking. 
but at the same time, I don't want it to be so much water that it will increase the draw. Because if you put a lot of water, you're gonna it's gonna restrict it down a little bit. You're gonna have to pull a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me personally, I kind of enjoy a slight restriction, but not um, not not like super restricted. Just enough to so know I, that you're smoking. Yeah, like you don't want it to be. Like yeah, you can thing. feel like the exactly. I don't really have any pipes that are quite uh, open to like breathing level. Uh, but maybe I do. I don't know. I always, I always, like I said, I always put about half an inch of water in there. And if I, if I'm smoking and I, and I notice I'm getting water into my hose, mm-hmm. I always know I need to drop it down. Yep, absolutely. That's something that comes up a shorter basis a lot of the time. I'm like, even this Neolux base, uh, I've gotten comments on my DMs actually asking like, hey, have you noticed that the Neolux base get, you know, it puts water into the hose when you're using the net pair? And initially I said no. But um, just a few weeks ago, actually, for the first time, I overdid the water a little bit, and I eyeballed it and said, eh, I was at a buddy's house. I said, screw it, right? With an extra, like, quarter of an inch, half an inch, whatever. And I did get water in my hose. Um, so that is a factor with mostly shorter bases. I don't notice it so much with, like, honking bell bases or anything. But these little guys, it absolutely happens. Uh, I'm the same way with, uh, b- b- with like, the water level in my base. My thing is, and a lot of people, especially everyone in here probably knows what the hell's going on, but the reason that you get more restriction when you add water is it's it's just it's actually a simple process. As you're pulling, you have to move the air through more water, and that's going to take more effort. So it's going to restrict the draw a little bit. It's also going to cause a really crazy bubbling sound because the bubbles are going to have time to, like, fully form, and when they hit the top, they're going to explode. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But, yeah, that's... I don't hear some people. Whole... Some people enjoy the rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I, my brother, it's one of those people. It's it's very polar opposite. Like there are some people like for me. Like when I smoke, most of the time I'm smoking. I'm watching or listening to music or, well, you know, some sort of media consumption. And so I want my sound that my hook is putting out to be relatively low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to have to turn the volume up. I don't want to miss like subtle dialogue that happens in a show because of a rumble so for me i'm always got a diffuser on i'm I'm, the water levels as low as it can be to kind of fulfill my basic needs of wanting to keep it under the whole time but like uh akeem young in the chat right he says uh he loves his km and uh for me he wants to hear his km rumble Mm -hmm. i have a km and it will rumble if you don't put a diffuser on it and it's kind of like that traditional hookah feeling when you go to the lounge most of the time they don't have diffusers they don't uh you know and and you just hear that you know that 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 visceral bubbling sound and uh yeah watching music thank you tristan thank you for that uh music videos right you can watch music through videos or concerts okay He's right, Tristan. It's a thing. It's a thing. Also, real quick, but, Tristan, uh, I just wanted to deviate really quick and thank you so much for just memeing the shit out of my face on Facebook the last week. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, um, so diffusers, you spent a moment talking about those. And um, do you change it at all when you're using a diffuser? I'll tell you about... I, I do. Spoiler alert. Um, but when I'm using a diffuser, I actually lower the water level even closer to the bottom of the stem and you think it would be different because the diffuser adds a certain girth and the first opening for the air to escape is actually higher up in the down stem than it would be um but since the bubbles are broken up so much it causes much less waving in the water so you're much less likely to have the water go underneath the level where you would actually be pulling straight uh vapor is what we're going to call it because of how hookahs work and they're non-combustion um from the hole directly into the hookah causing a harsh flavor what do you do do you change it do you just use the same rule of thumb I will put my diffuser probably a quarter of an inch up. Okay, yeah. And uh, 
if I'm using a Heba diffuser, you know, it might have an eighth of an inch uh, gap uh, addition to where, you know, a quarter of an inch of where to tap. Basically, I don't want my diffuser to fall off when I'm smoking. Right. That That's anno- that's annoying. It happened to me when I was smoking in the beginning and, and like first getting into diffusers. I was like barely putting them on the bottom. Um, and, you know, if you're smoking them and you're token on and you, you get a good pull, you might just pull the diffuser right off. So I always put my diffuser like high enough to where it's not going to fall off. Mm-hmm. And then my water level, I just put above the diffuser wherever it is. I actually have a funnel that I use and I, I like put the water in my base kind of where I think it's going to be. I put the down stem in and I'll put the funnel on top and I'll, I have like a little water bottle and I'm like looking at it and I'm pouring a little bit Science. and I'm looking and, and pouring a little bit. So, you know, for me, it's just, I just want to get it just right. And as soon as the water level goes just above the diffuser, I know I'm good. And uh, I don't, I don't add any more, but I love diffusers. Do you use diffusers, Adrian? I actually, uh, so normally I don't use an external diffuser. Um, I'm using my Matt Pair. For those of you who don't know, know the built-in diffuser in a Matt Pair is actually one of the best on the market, in my opinion. Um, I just ordered, and I got this big Hugashisha order coming. Look forward to that. Um, I ordered like a bunch of Heba diffusers. Um, and the reason is, is because they were on sale. I've got a bunch of hookahs that do not have diffusers. Like one of my noisiest hookahs that isn't like a KM or a Shika is my Initiate. It's a modern looking hookah, but the guts are basically identical to a KM. It's just as loud as a KM. Um, it's got the same dimensions and everything. So I'm popping a Heba on that. And yeah, the, this same thing, you know, water level. It's kind of a weird thing to talk about because when you've been smoking for so long, you don't even think about it. Like, you know what you like. But um, I remember being a new smoker and genuinely having no fucking clue <laughs> what to do with the water. So I definitely wanted to hit that topic. But yeah, with the diffuser, I mean, I would say that from the first hole in my diffuser, there's even less than a half of an inch um, to the surface of the water. And that's because, like, there's not very much bubbling. And uh, the bubbles are very small. The water doesn't rock a whole lot. But yeah, man, water, bases, it's easy. Do it like you want. And like you said, some people do like a more restricted draw, right? So what some people will do, um, a friend of mine is someone who does this, is they bring the water level maybe a little higher than necessary because they want this wicked rumble. And some, for some flavors, I think a more restricted draw is actually a little bit better just because like certain flavors, like for instance, lemon mints and double apples, I feel like you get a slightly different flavor profile when you change the restriction. Do you notice that? Do you like have any flavors that like maybe you change your restriction for or maybe just some flavors that you've noticed that taste a little bit different with a slightly different restriction? I don't think I've done enough kind of bro science work on that end to be able to like say anything, right? I kind of do the same thing every time. Uh, you know, I always want the water above my diffuser. And so for me, it's like every time it's pretty much the same. Yeah. But um, I know some people say the diffusers affect the flavor. Some people will say, you know, it, it can alter the smoke output. I'm not I'm not really sure, like, how true all that is, right? Just yeah, because it doesn't make sense for I can't. I, when I pack my bowls, like, you know, everybody who's been packing bowls for a while, they know how they like it. So, I mean, I, I can kind of dial it in and, and get the, the, the heat level that I want, the cloud density that I want. But, you know, definitely, you know, if you are restricting your hookah down, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of concentrate flavors. So, you know, if you are adding more restriction and uh, and decreasing the the amount of, of air volume, I guess, in your base. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure you could make a reasonable argument and, and stand your ground to say that it might increase the amount of flavor that you get. I think a lot of what, because it might be, it could just be a mind trick, right? I think a lot of the reason I pick up on that is because when you, I don't know, maybe it just has to literally do with just having to pull harder. 
Um, it, it could be the smallest thing, and it could just be in your head. But it only happens with flavor profiles that are light otherwise. Like when you're smoking on like a Tangier's flavor or a Trifecta Dark flavor or something that's like really saturated and it has this signature flavor profile that is strong. Um, I like my draw to be as open as possible without being exactly like breathing. Um, but like for this double apple, I would have used a different hookah, except for my diffusers aren't here, and you would not like the sound if I had used my initiate or something. So that'd be a yikes. Definitely for podcasting purposes, we definitely are pro uh, diffuser because we want you guys at home and those of you listening on the road to be able to hear what we're saying and not have to deal with the ginormous bubbles. But mm-hmm. if you're in a if you're in a lounge or something, it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be fun. It's part of the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's that's why lounges don't really need the diffusers, because, like, it doesn't really matter in a lounge. They're going to be somewhat noisy, even if it's a quieter lounge, so it's not really a big deal. Here's a comment I actually just saw in passing. Beelu says, I'm getting no flavor on the session. Cane mint took over. I'm assuming he means he put too much cane mint in the bowl, and it has taken over the flavor profile of the entire bowl. And, Bracken, you're a Tangiers guy, yeah? I am a big fan of the Tangiers brand, yes. How do you feel? What's, what are your feelings on Kane? Because in a previous podcast, you shed some light on how you prefer to uh, open your Tangiers and mm-hmm. consume it mm-hmm. over the course of its lifetime in your house, shelf life in your home. Um, so do you, like, a lot of people like me, when I order Tangiers, I order enough Kane mint where if I wanted to pack every bowl with some amount of Kane in it, I could. I imagine yeah. that you do it a little differently, if I had to guess. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'll i open a flavor of Tangiers, and I find that if it sits on my shelf too long, I notice that there's less flavor. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to lose flavor, and so I just kind of adopted this mentality of I'll open a flavor, and I'll smoke it till it's gone, and then I open another flavor. And uh, there have been several times where maybe the, second, the flavor I open second will be a flavor that might complement the uh, first one. So I may be able to sprinkle some of the, the older stuff into it and maybe try and mix flavors. I don't really mix a lot of flavors because uh, for me, I enjoy smoking single note flavors and kind of trying to dissect it. I just, you know, I, I don't buy flavors that I have to mix because I know I've got to smoke a majority of the bowls as a solo flavor. So for me, I don't do a ton of mixing, but I definitely could see why someone might not have fun with cane mint in their bowl if they're not a cane head, you know, yeah. if you're not a big fan of that sweet Tangier's cane mint flavor mm-hmm. and you put any amount of it in your bowl, it's going to be there. And that, yeah. I think that goes with any, any mint. It's strange, right? Cause like Tangier's cane mint once upon a time was considered to be one of the strongest mints around. Now we're in kind of an age of super mints and like, what people like Travis Leader from over at Hookah Uni are calling like cold enhancers. It's transcended the mint category. Um, so cane yeah, mint. flavors like Supernova, mm-hmm. right? It's not a flavor; it's a sensation. So you don't necessarily smoke Supernova by itself because it doesn't really have a flavor. It's just cold. Yep. Right. Exactly. And and it's I think it's that this age of like let's do it better than it was done before and let's try and top it. And so it's always this like battle of. Who's got the most mint? I remember when it started with FML, right? For the longest time, like the cane mint one, was right? like that was like the first super cane, mint. Yeah, cane mint came out, and it was just a cane mint. It was just a strong mint. People liked it. It was notorious. It got famous. Everybody knows it, right? Then they started experimenting with things like experiment and just regular mint and other things like that. And then FML came out with their their just plain FML. What was it? Blue FML blue. I think I think the original one was just uh, FML. It, it had a green mint oh, on the packaging. I think blue came after. Was it green? It was FML green, right? And that 
Oh, I remember smoking that for the first time, just thinking like, holy cow, this yep. is cold. My first experience um, was a solo FML smoke, and I got the yep, game. with a Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it fucked me I up. made a mistake back in the day, man. I had four of those haze cubes on there that were hot oh, as crap. <laughs> I had it in like this giant bowl. Okay. I wanted it to smoke. I wanted it to be hot. I was like, yo, we're going to push this. And I put those four coals in there and I went to the bathroom, got a drink, came back, sat down, took my first hit and immediately started coughing. Immediately my eyes were watering, my nose was running. I was like, dude, this is cold, right? I'm sure if I went back to it now, I'd be like, oh, this is just mint. Because now it's in like, oh, every, like now for me, the coldest thing I've probably smoked is dirty mint. Mm-hmm. And dirty is no joke. Was, it is cold, but it's not like twice the ice X or FML or anything, in my opinion. I never tried. I never tried twice the ice X. Twice the ice. Oh, have you ever had tr- tried twice the ice? And I've never tried any of the. Um, that's a trifecta brand. Yeah, right? they're just very. It's a blonde trifecta flavor, and they're just very. The cold. only trifecta mints that I've had are peppermint shake and dirty mint. Those are. I think those are more reasonable mints. The dirty mint is quite cold, but it's a very good mixer and it has quite a good flavor profile. Um, and then the um, a lot of the mints that Trifecta makes are actually incredible. Mediterranean mint, um, what's, what's the name of it? Um, hipster mint. When hipster mint is, if I'm not mistaken, is the one that's a lot like the old Alfacher mints. And it's kind of weird because you pick up Alfacher mint now and it's like, do you promise that there's mint in here? Because I'm not sure if there is. Because I feel like a lot of us have been desensitized. But yeah, to answer your question the best I can be, though, when I'm mixing tangiers, I used to do like 50% tangiers. Uh, cane mint and 50% another flavor and I learned pretty quickly that that's like too much cane you know so I've taken it down to like I think a third is the maximum amount of uh, cane I do in a cane other flavor mix yeah if I'm gonna mix cane mint with a flavor it's like a sprinkle mm-hmm. or a two sprinkles right it's like a forkful and that's it right and I'll put it in there and I'll just kind of tuck it into the sides of the bowl a little bit mm-hmm. I won't mix it in so much but like I'll like use my thumb and I'll like partition out little wells and I'll be like, all right, cane mint, you can go here. Yep. Just here. And then I'm like, "Ah, that's too much. And then I add whatever the original flavor is, that third one. I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. And it's still like, wow, cane mint is definitely in the bowl. You can't really get past it. So Bilu, for you, I would say whatever you put in there right now, next bowl, cut it in half and go from there. Right. If it's not enough, bump it back up, you know, but cut it in half, see if you like it and uh, play around with it. I mean, you know, if you're packing it in a, in a portion of the bowl, you're not going to run out of it as fast unless you're... Mm-hmm. What is that giant bowl that Hukadeshi should make? The Goliath bowl the or whatever? Goliath, yeah, it's a wicked yeah, unless you're Unless you're packing in a Goliath bowl, you're probably not going to run out super fast. Um, so you can, you can play around with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else before we go on? I'll get to that in a few. Okay, so another little thing I wanted to go over. Again, we don't have to go over all these topics because... Um, conversation flow is more fun for me and I'm here for me maybe maybe I care about other people I'll never tell speaking of things that people have a lot of opinions on can we just like dive this is probably this is probably the most opinionated topic we could talk about is it is it like packing bowl packing how to do it when to do it where to do it why you do it people have people have like lost friendships because of this topic like there are communities on facebook that are divided over somebody thinking that they're better at it than other people this is like this is like the fighting words in the hookah community like oh yeah you suck at packing a bowl right that's the equivalency of the sandlot saying you play ball like a girl right that's not pc anymore we don't say that but like you get the gist right yeah, it's exactly. an insult right oh you pack a bad bowl oh yeah all right 
well, fuck you too then. <laughs> yeah, it's the <laughs> you know? strangest thing. Because, like, hookah is 100% what you want it to be. And there's so many people, like, I'm not going to, I don't wear a beanie all the time. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I, I caught the reference. I catch the reference. Very good, very good. If you get it, you get it. If not, we'll pass right past that. But um, when you're packing a bowl, as long as you enjoy it, you're good. And if you find a way that you can do it where you enjoy it even more so, you're even better. You know, that's all good. But as long as you're enjoying yourself, that's the most important thing. And there's, it's so weird because there's so many brands. There's like so many brands and people demand, it seems like, that there's a intricate different packing method for every single brand on the market. And I just don't necessarily think that that's the case. Um, like Ron just said, yeah, just throw it in there. And it's not quite that simple, but it's closer to what Ron Barron said than it is what the community tends to say, where you need to get out your micrometers and your uh, your tweezers and shit to pack bowls, because you don't need to go that deep. If you're, if you're pulling out micrometers and tweezers to pack your bowl, that's okay. Right? Just don't tell that's people fun. If you have, Yeah, just don't tell me that I have to do that, right? If you're telling me that I'm not, if I'm not doing it that way, I'm wrong, well, then you're wrong. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Now there are obviously so there's like different brands, and I don't even think it comes down to brands. I think it comes down to the style of tobacco and the binding agent that has a lot to do with how you pack it. But like for instance, I think we can all agree that you're not going to pack Tangiers the same way that you're going to pack Alpha Comma. I think that the whole community agrees that there's going to be some variance between those two different packing methods. There's a lot of terminology used, like a lot of people want to use dense or extra dense, I've heard the term used for Tangiers, and I will use those just because everyone knows what you're talking about when you say it, right? But um, there's this yeah. thing that's caught on recently, and a poll, I think, is like the header of it, the hashtag gravity pack, which I'm a big fan of because it works a lot of the time. And that's heard it here first on the AM Hookah podcast. AM Hookah, baby. Um, but a lot of them, I find that French and uh, Virginia flu-cured tobaccos can all be packed like that, whether it's you for- Now, when you say French and, and Virginia flute-cured, I might know brands that that falls into, but what are you, what are you saying when you say that? Like- what kind of brands are you talking about specifically? It's a flu-curing tobacco. Um, we talked about it briefly on the last podcast. Someone did come in with some knowledge on it. I am also not super um, knowledgeable on the flu-curing process. I do know that it's a form of indirect heat that's elongated to cure the tobacco properly. It's very common. What, what brands What brands do that? Like, what, like what brands specifically are you talking about when you say a Virginia leaf or a French cut? Like, yeah, So yeah, the people at home know, like, brand-wise, when they see it in the store, they see it in the shop or online, they can be like, oh, Adrian talked about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll preface it with French and Virginia tobacco. I haven't noticed a huge difference in the flavor. They perform very similarly. And you can find out if you just look at the back of your tobacco. But some brands off the back of my head that I know are either French or Virginia fluke-cured tobacco. I believe you have your uh, Alpha Kama. Um, a lot of the traditional ones, Alpha Kama, Alphacker, Fumari, I know is one. I believe Starbuzz is just a uh, French fluke-cured, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and some of them aren't even from France or Virginia, but fluke-cured is going to be the primary thing that uh, creates the toba- that causes the tobacco to have the flavor profile and perform the way that it does. Um, brands like, yeah, like that. So like a blonde. Most of your blondes, honestly. I actually don't know. I can't name any brands right now that are blonde that I can think of that are not some variant of French or Virginia fluke-cured tobacco. Or maybe it's not from France or Virginia, but it's, it's a variant of a fluke-cured tobacco. Um, it's probably yeah. the most common way to cure hookah tobacco. 
Uh, yeah, Ron just so basically Azura, like, Fumari, Alpha Kama. Yeah, it can usually just be thrown in, so we'll get to that. Yeah, if you're looking at your tobacco and you're like, I don't know if this is a blonde or a dark leaf, right? It's just kind of like the way we identify it. If you're looking at it, it's like a very light color. If it's golden, mm-hmm. if it's got like a light hint to it, you know, you're, it might be red. You know, a lot of people have dyes in their tobacco. Most of those dyed tobaccos, most of those like light brown, those are going to be blondes. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it, it's like a trifecta dark and it looks like dark. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But just to say, you know, trifecta, tangiers, supernova, uh, a lot of those darker cuts and a lot of those darker brands that are going to have a little bit more kick, right? Yeah, absolutely. That will be something that could pro- probably handle dense packing a little bit more. But, yeah. you know, look at the Russian market. They mm-hmm. don't follow any of the rules. They just throw them out the window. They just do whatever they want to do, right? So you guys got you got guys over there that are packing tangiers and they're fluffing it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that, but I, and, and I don't do that, but some people do and they like it, but you know, it's, it's crazy just to kind of see like every region kind of does it different. Yeah. And but, luckily, I think a big part of that from Russia is their market's just so it's blooming so much and it's so free over there. And so many people do enjoy the hobby that there's just people, it's moving a little bit quicker. People are realizing like they've already realized we can do what we want. We can have our cake and eat it too. Cause we spent our money and now we can and, do what we feel like. And it's cake flavored. And it's cake flavored. Yeah. One thing that's interesting is like on the topic of different types of tobacco curing processes. So like you've got your, like I was saying, you got your French Virginia flu cured tobaccos. Um, you also have like weird stuff like dark leaves, which are usually a burly leaf variant. Um, those are your trifectas, your azure uh, blacks, stuff like that, your um, your hookafina black. And then you've got like brands like Tangiers, which aren't necessarily true dark leaves. Uh, they're dyed black with the molasses. However, um, they're not washed. So that's going to create the first, kick that you get from Tangiers. First time I heard that, it blew my mind. Right. For the longest time, Tangiers was a dark leaf. Mm-hmm. I just identified it as a dark leaf. But if you have Tangiers at home, do yourself a favor. You know, after dinner or whatever, eat cereal in the morning, leave the water in the bowl and put a little bit of the Tangiers in the water. Mm-hmm. Just put a little bit of, not a lot. You don't want to waste it. You're trying to smoke it. You're not trying to throw it down the drain. Put it in the water and leave it there until you get home from work or school or whatever it is. Take a nap, come back, look at it. It's actually not a dark leaf. At all. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I, someone said that. I think maybe it was Caleb he, uh, in the chat. He goes by Etch. He's always dropping cac- cactuses. He told me that, and I, someone told him, and I just, I, I just was like, dude, you're full of it. You're, you're yanking my chain. I tried it, and I was like, yo, it's true. Yep. You know, and that doesn't not mean it's true bad. Dark. And they've never. It's what's no. funny is Tangiers has never even marketed themselves as a dark leaf. They're not being no nope. false. They're, They're just, just Tangiers. It's just Tangiers. And the reason you get a kick from Tangiers is because it's unwashed. And because it's unwashed, and this is this is where we're going to get into bro science. Packing methods. For Tangiers, I do do what they call a dense pack. And all that means yep. is I'm putting a level of compaction to the tobacco. I'm removing mm-hmm. some of the air gap that would normally be there in favor of putting more tobacco into the bowl. Which is weird because you hear a lot of people saying, Tangiers is so good it burns for so long. It's like, well, no shit, there's more tobacco. Of course, your bowl lasts longer. There's a lot more tobacco in there than there would be of another brand. And sure, being unwashed, having a strip molasses as the binding agent do factor into both the flavor profile and the longevity. But those factors do create not a need, but it tends to kind of steer people towards packing a little bit differently based on the American preference of not having too much throat hit and not too much of a nicotine buzz. And a good way to cut back on that is to add compaction to your tobacco. Yeah, I always take my tangiers and I put it just dense enough to where 
uh, I consider it a dent, but I don't push it so hard as the juices start kind of flowing yeah. out. Yeah, that's exactly. So that I, I, I try and find like that perfect level of it's in there and it's pushed down and it's tight. And if I push down any farther, any harder, and I push into it any farther, it will start to displace and you know the juices will start coming out. I don't want to do that, right? I mix it up. I kind of get the the juices distributed, kind of like this uh, point of equilibrium throughout the whole container. And, and then I'll put it in there with a fork and I just kind of push it down with my thumbs, kind of like, you know, in a circle. And uh, for me, I can get tangiers to roll. And that's mm-hmm. just how I do it. You know, I always, when I poke my holes, I poke my holes all the way to the bottom of the bowl. You know, whether that works or it doesn't, it's always worked for me. Yeah, I do the you same know, thing. I always, I always like to think I'm aerating my bowl, right? I'm yeah. allowing the heat to penetrate all the way to the bottom. I'm allowing the, the juices and the flavors and the tobacco on the underside of the pack to be exposed to the heat. Yeah. It's not as, you know, not as intensely or as, as, as much as the stuff right on top, but I can still get to it. It's kind of like how White Castle puts holes in their burgers when they cook them. Like when you, when you repack in Tangiers, there is so much compaction in it that it's going to be difficult for, even if the heat reaches down underneath the top layer of what is now cooked tobacco, um, you're going to have some issues with flavor if you can't start to actually get some of that uh, molasses and glycerin at the bottom of your bowl, your bowl to actually cook. And, um, that's I think that's a big reason that a lot of people, even the old Eric, if you if you ever watched an old Hukajan video, he goes over to Tangiers and Eric, he packs bowls with Eric. And Eric, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, he uses a sharpened oyster fork and he just, I swear when Eric packs a bowl of Tangiers, the guy who owns Tangiers, there is more not foil on the bowl than there is foil. He pokes so many holes that it looks like a net of foil. As opposed to like four. It's like a chain. It looks like a chain link fence. Yeah, it's wild. And I've seen the clouds he gets. It looks insane. Um, But yeah, so you got that for your Tangiers. Um, I think the Gravity Pack works really well for all of your Alpha Commas, your Alpha Ockers, your Azure Blondes. And for those flavors, um, you can vary it. Like, it, it almost doesn't matter as long as you don't go too dense or too fluffy because you can actually just have your cake and eat it too if you want to have a longer session with alfacker double apple maybe you pack it a little denser and maybe you overpack it a little bit and uh you, there's more tobacco so your bowl might roll a little longer you might get maybe more punchy and if you want a shorter session and a lighter session you might pack it a little more loosely and a little more under the rim you know it's 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 so weird how people get hung up because it's easy you can just kind of do whatever you want and as long, once you learn heat management and stuff it all works for the most part does that make sense yeah definitely i mean you get it in there and for me it's the main things are i don't want i don't want my foil to touch yeah you know i want it, i want to make sure that i have enough holes so that my foil isn't restricting the draw mm-hmm. um and then i want to make sure that you know if it's a tangiers or something i poke all the way down and if it's not then i just poke right to the top now there is a question in the chat from my and yeah I saw that uh, me my I don't know sorry but he says Adrian I'm having decision making issues I think he said he's having a trouble making a decision he says he wants to know if there's any flavor that you recommend to smoke in the morning he just woke up after a two hour nap and he wants to stay awake to tune in and watch the show he wants to go pack a bowl and come back and watch what would you say would be a good bowl to smoke or flavor right after you wake up. You know what? A lot of people have, I've heard people smoking mints first thing. I'm a morning smoker. I do enjoy, um, I like to wake up and before I even have my first meal, I usually wait a little bit to eat because I like to drink a bunch of water and stuff. I usually feel really groggy if I eat first thing in the morning. Um, But I don't use mint 
because for me, and the first thing in the morning, it's very abrasive. Um, I The obvious answer is like a coffee flavor. I feel like that's the easy two-cent answer. In fact, I think that, uh, yep, Justin did say morning glory, and that's honestly a, a good recommendation if you're a coffee drinker. Coffee flavors can be kind of polarizing. People who like coffee tend to like morning glory, for instance. They love that flavor. I'm one of those people. But if you don't like coffee, I can definitely see where you wouldn't want to do that. So if you're a coffee drinker, pick up some morning glory. Um, absolutely. If you're looking for something a little more accessible, maybe you can even pick it up locally. Starbucks Vintage makes a flavor called Tiramisu, very comparable to yes. Morning Glory. Yeah, um, it's that's honestly, one of the few term. That's that's one of the few vintage flavors that Starbucks makes that I'm like, I'm okay with with smoking. I, yeah. I, I tried a couple. wasn't a big fan of some of them, but Tiramisu definitely was a flavor to write down and remember because, you know, in college I used to smoke in the morning before class, mm-hmm. and this is going to sound weird, but I loved to smoke. Uh, either a mix of Nakala Alfakar two apples, okay, fifty fifty, or or and this is something that you wouldn't agree with. I would smoke pond first thing in the morning. That's that's a trip for me. Like pond's good in short doses, spread out over a long period of time for me. I can't smoke pond every day. Oh, my says. Oh, so here's the life hack: morning glory, perfect. There you go. Life hack, right? You run out of deodorant. You run out of uh, of, of cologne. Just go smoke pond. You're going to smell like minty rose all day. Mm-hmm. Like you won't be able to get it off your skin. But or, Yeah, or the air <laughs> in your house or the walls or the carpet. It's going to... And that hookah is going to be a pond hookah from that, from now on, unless you want to leave it in boiling bleach water for like two hours. It's strong, but it's definitely I, good. No one told me that my pipe was going to taste like pond forever when I got it. And I, I got a, a kilo of Afsal Pond Ross. Uh, and uh, that pipe never that pipe never recovered. Uh, they don't. You just I, ended up, to... I, I ended up selling it to a friend who was a really big fan of the pond flavor, and he just could not always get a hold of it. And so when I was selling off the pipe, he was like, are you selling your pond pipe? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, I want to buy it because I want all the flavors that I smoke to taste like pond a little bit. And I was like, what? Wow, but that's dedication. If you like the rose floral mint, um, you know, that could probably mix with 90% of the flavors out there, maybe. Yeah, pro- yeah. I mean, especially if it's, if subtle. it's subtlety, that would be a like a seasoning of a pipe. Absolutely. That's I couldn't imagine having pond in every bowl though. That would like blow me away in not a good way. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you just had a morning glory. And um, I actually just saw the comment from Hukafi, and I'll smoke some spice chai with vanilla in the morning. I'm assuming it's fumari spice chai, which is a solid fumari flavor. Um, that's a really good mix. I like trifecta's vanilla with that, but that's just my preference. But uh, yeah, Alpha Alpha Kama has a uh, uh, it's cafe late, but it's cafe latte, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually enjoyed that flavor a little bit more than Morning Glory. Really? Well, I'm gonna have to get a hold of some of that. Alpha Kama has done nothing but impress me since they came to the states. Alpha Kama is the reason I smoke other brands now. I say it every time someone brings it up, but you know, for three years I smoked Tangiers only. I just put my head in the sand like an ostrich. I was like, I just want to smoke Tangiers. That's all I want to smoke. It's what I like. You know, ignorant, pure ignorance. And uh, I got to meet Badia, and he he uh, he sent me a sample of the passion fruit, and uh, oh, fifty grams was gone. Fifty grams was gone in a day. I don't normally smoke that many bowls in a day, but it packed it, and uh, it it blew my hat off, and because it, it was such a true flavor. And you know, I just kind of fluffed it in there, and it just roared. I was yeah, very absolutely. very impressed. For me though, like when I pack bowls, like I want my tobacco to cloud. Like mm-hmm. I am not a, I, I don't find myself enjoying my sessions if I, and this, you know, some people aren't like this, but I, I mean, when I'm smoke, I want clouds to come out. That's Fat kind of like rips. part of the thing for me, yeah. you know? 
you know, you, you, you see people that vape and they just get these massive, massive thick clouds because their ohms are turned up and their juice is saturated. Like, I want my hookah clouds to be thick and juicy, mm-hmm. right? But with the flavor. T-H-I-C-C, two C's, thick and full of flavor. And, you know, for me, like, wh- however I have to pack something to make that happen, I'm going to find myself doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny because I do. I have what I call my car hookah, which is just a vape that I will sometimes take with me on trips. And the clouds are outstanding. And I think anyone who smokes hookah and says they don't care about clouds, either they're lying or I can't empathize with them at all. Because I, I think most of us like gigantic clouds when we can get away with it. But um, I don't like it. It's like a very OG mentality. Yeah. Right. To not to not be worried about clouds. To really just want it to be like kind of flavor forward. But you know, I don't know. I I, I kind of have trouble equating flavorful smoke sessions with don't have massive clouds because mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like the thicker my clouds are, and you know, obviously you can burn the hell out of a bowl, and you can get 15 minutes of clouds and post a video, and it looks really good. But like, then your bowl's trash because you just toasted it, right? Right. But if you can find like that perfect balance, which is I think which we all kind of strive for, is like that perfect bowl where you sit down and you smoke it for however long you want to smoke, and you're just roaring the whole time. Like for me, the saddest part of the suka session is like that last 10 minutes when you're like, oh man, it's dying. You look at the clock, you're like, I'm not packing another bowl, but I don't want to stop this one. Um, But yeah, so everybody in the chat, let us know your opinions on packing bowls you know if you if you pack a flavor different than what we talked about i would love to invite you to post a video of it on our facebook page so that we can see it so the community can see it how you do it um a lot of times we'll be kind of stuck in our ways packing bowls and someone will come along and and they'll pack a bowl different and you know your automatic response is oh that's you know that's it's different it's it's unknown it's bad but you know if if someone could pack a good bowl and they're doing it different i would say give it a try absolutely 100 percent and then so we touched on tangiers we touched on the 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 flu cured variant of tobaccos the only other one i can think of is like true dark leaves and the only difference for me is i won't go as compacted as tangiers but i just want to say a little bit of compaction does help if you are sensitive to throat hits from nicotine. Um, so not a ton, just enough so it's not going to um, burn the shit out of your throat. Some people like that feeling. Um, I Sometimes I'm one of those people. But like my Azure Dark, what I'll do is I'll pack it just like I would pack uh, Al Fokker. But I would pack it like a half an inch over the rim, and then I would subtly rearrange it with a like a toothpick or a foil poker without actually using my fingers to dense it down because I think that adds too much compaction. But I think those are like the three ways I do it. I'll use gravity, I'll use tangiers, which is high pack tangiers, and then I'll play with dark leaves. And that's really what I've kind of come down to. On my personal reviewing channel, I do go over like different ways to pack it that I think are the best, but that's just very much from like the community that I'm in kind of guiding me to find the technical best way to do it for a archetype of smoker um and then like my own notes but mostly gravity packs like lightly dense packs and dense packs are pretty much going to be all you need justin young said something put love into your bowl and your bowl will love you i absolutely love that that's a really good mentality have fun when you pack your bowl right mm-hmm. obviously when we're all in the very beginning of it you're packing your bowl you're worried mm-hmm. you don't want to pack a bad bowl if you're out there and you're smoking hookah for the first couple times Dude, it's okay. Do that. It's okay to burn the shit out of some bowls. It is totally fine. It's part of the it's part of the right. Welcome to the club. If you're not burning bowls and you're just now starting out, I don't know. 
I can't talk to you because I know for a fact that I probably burnt through at least two or three kilos of tangiers before I kind of I finalized it. I know when I first got a Fokker, I burned the hell out of it. Nakala, I burnt it a couple times, you know, and that's actually hard to do. But when you're first starting out, you don't know what you're doing. You just throw coals on there. Um, There was a question that I wanted to talk about. Travis Green, he asked, uh, do we mix our flavors or do we keep them separate? You know, so when we're talking about bowl packing, obviously one of the aspects is how you pack it. It is how dense is it, how how you put the tobacco in there. But I think another thing that we should probably talk about is what do we do with our tobacco before it even goes into the bowl? That's right. So my question for you is, Adrian, do you have any rituals or anything that you do that may be Fugazi? Or you may think that there's a reason why you do it when you get a brand new package of tobacco. So many of these companies are, are, are putting their product in a plastic bag and then putting that plastic bag inside of their marketing forward container, whether that be a plastic tin or a metal tin or a baggie or Tangiers just kind of vacuum seals it and wraps it up and sends it to you wrapped in a piece of paper. What do you do? That's kind of special to you, or maybe that's maybe not special to you, but something you picked up along the way in regards to a brand new container. That's interesting, yeah. Um, so as far as like mixing the tobacco, I'll get in that into a uh, subgenre of that question in a moment, but when I get a package of tobacco, it depends on the tobacco. Um, so I can just cut these out right away. Um, Trifecta, either of their lines at this point, because of their, they've now there's a continuity between the dark and the blonde line. They have the same type of packaging. Um, let me see here. What I don't, Alpha, nope, Alpha Kama I have to fuck with a little bit. Um, Nope, not Alpha Kama. I'm thinking about Fokker. Brands that have like a tub with just an interior plastic bag, it's pretty intuitive. I open the plastic bag, I dump the plastic bag into the plastic container, I take a butter knife and I use it to make sure I get every little leaf of tobacco and all the extra juice, scrape it in there. I pick that up being a Tangier smoker. Most of us know Tangier is expensive. And half the time that you do that, like you see John Hugajun's videos, if you haven't watched him, go check him out, he's hilarious. Um, he will just dump the tangiers in and throw the bag out, and I look at it. And I'm like, that's at least a bowl of tobacco you just threw away. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah, right? So Obviously, you have certain amenities when you sell the stuff, and it's just kind of available to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no, no shade to be thrown towards John. Absolutely right? not. But if you're on a budget, that's a whole bowl. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's the difference between an additional bowl and the last couple having enough moisture. Yeah. Exactly. Because. Sometimes it just they just it just sticky icky and it gets stuck in the bag. You got to scrape it out. I use um you know those uh, plastic pampered chef scrapers that you're supposed mm-hmm. to clean off the yeah. like uh, pie pans and the the clay things. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to use soap and water. I use one of those. It, it's very dull, so it doesn't cut the bag. I'll just scrape everything out onto my pack mat. Shameless plug, and then I'll just put it into my container because I'm like, yo, I'm not. I, I paid for that. That's part of the weight that I paid for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste it. You know, exactly. I smoke so many bowls. Like that actually makes a difference over the course of a month, a year, or however long it is you've been smoking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's pretty intuitive when you have like, especially I think Trifecta is the biggest example of American-based tobacco. Where it's literally just a jar in a bag. Just make sure all the shit that was in the bag is in the jar, and the jar that they sell it in is a twist jar, and it will seal the tobacco well enough as long as you smoke it within a reasonable amount of time. Um, so that's easy. It gets hard when you start to talk about stuff like Fumar. Well, let's. I'm gonna even get weirder. Alfaker is one I like to touch on because I don't know if I've done a video on this, but I have a way. Th- Bracken, when's the last time you picked up Alfaker? 
Uh, it's been a minute? No. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so El Fokker, their current packaging scheme, and maybe, I mean, it's not that recent that they changed it, but um, you get your tub, and then there's an interior tub that kind of goes in like stacked cups, and there's a little pull thing. You can, like, pull the top off, and the El Fokker's in there. It usually looks like a dry mound because all the moisture's gone to the bottom. A lot of people just, like, try to mix it up in there and shit. I'll take the interior tub out turn it on its side and I'll scrape all the alfocker. I won't even like dump it, I'll scrape it so it kind of like loosens up as I'm doing it. And then when mm-hmm. I get the last little bit in, it's already loose, I'll stir it and then I'll pop the top on and I've got a container of alfocker. So if you smoke alfocker and you like, a buddy of mine that just started smoking hookah, his name's Nate, he made the mistake for the first few tubs he got of just like mixing it up and he's like, yeah, I don't know what's wrong. And at the end, my bowls are too juicy. And I'm like, cause it wasn't mixed enough in the first place. So um, and I'll get yeah. to that in a second. But then you've got your brain. Here's a hack. Yeah. Here's a hack for you for Al Fokker, because I did smoke Al Fokker when they came out with the new tubs. Yeah. Right. And that's for like the 250, 250 and up. Obviously, if you're getting 50 grams, you're just getting the bags that you just kind of rip down the middle and squeeze out. But yep. turn it up. If you're not going to smoke it immediately before you pull the seal off, right? Take the initial top off, make sure the seal's all the way on there, put the lid back on, and just turn it upside down. Yep, that's actually a good idea. I, I don't know why I haven't tried just, it yet. You just turn it upside down, and then you come back to it in a couple days. You know, check on If you do it in the morning, check on it at noon. If you see that it's leaking, obviously turn it back over because the seal isn't, you know, all the way out of there. But if you turn it upside down, all the juice comes back down to the bottom. When you flip it over, all you have to do is scrape the lid, and you're good. Yep, exactly. Um, there's another archetype of packaging that we're all aware of. Ezer, Fumari, um, what are some other brands that do this? Doesn't matter. Bagged tobacco. Tobacco that comes in what looks like a Ziploc bag, branding forward. Yep. My favorite ones, like uh, Hooked on Hookah does this, where you do have the uh, branding forward bag, but inside there's an interior bag, which makes your life much easier because there's no Ziploc. And the reason for that is, like I was saying, you kind of want to scrape your tobacco out. It's really hard to do that when you can't see into the bag because it's blacked out and you can't see the insides from the outside. Um, so when you have an interior bag, you open that baggie up, you take out the interior bag, you take that baggie. If you're a reviewer, you put it up on your shelf so you can reference the packaging later. If you're not, you put it right in the recycling bin because you're a good person. And then you open your bag of tobacco and then you do what I do, which is go to Ikea, buy three packs of Tupperware that hold like literally 300 grams of substance and um, dump them into there. I've got like literally sealed packages of just the Tupperwares for when I get tobacco. Yep. And they're dishwashers. I always get mine on Amazon. I buy the meal prep containers. There's like Mm -hmm. 25 of them in a box. The only downfall is if you do that, don't put your leftover dinner in a box in a container that you like kept cane mint in. Don't, yeah. This happened to me in, in college. One of my buddies cooked like a beef stroganoff or something. And he like grabbed a container, put it in there, put it in the fridge. So like the next day he was like, yo, I made extra. Let's have dinner. We cooked, we got it. We heated it up. You could smell it like out of the microwave. <laughs> it was like, that does not it's smell not right. So we ta- we tasted it. It tasted like cane mint and beef stroganoff. And I got to let you know, I didn't smoke cane mint for like three months after that. Cause it was just like, I can't get the thought out of my head. Make sure you don't mix them up because the tobacco will stay in the container unless it's like glass or something yeah. and it'll ruin your leftovers. So don't think you're taking the, that yummy leftover spaghetti to lunch to work tomorrow and find out, oh, this tastes like trifecta lime because yeah. that will not be fun. Yeah, I don't you won't think, be able to eat it. <laughs> I, I don't think that beef stroganoff would be a good tobacco flavor and you're probably going to think of that every time you have cane for the next three months. So that can't be good. <laughs> It was a horror story, My, You're definitely right. Man, uh, yeah. Definitely. Do you mix invest. your flavors? Like before packing them. 
So I'm assuming no, like uh, like Travis asked the flavor like the question like like we're about to pack a bowl. Yeah. Uh, do you how do you mix your flavors? Okay, I'm gonna answer that question in a second. I'm gonna answer a question that came into my head first. It's not even a question. Um, one thing that I don't think is bro science at all. Before you pack your bowl, always make sure to give, especially with Tangiers, um, mix your tobacco around, even the moisture out. Um, it might not affect the first couple bowls, but if you find that your last I don't know, five to six bowls of your 250 are either too dry or too wet. It's because you didn't mix it. So that was was on my mind when that question was asked. But when it comes to mixing, that's interesting because that's a big topic and you can do so many things when you're mixing tobacco. My go-to, and this isn't what I do every time, but this is what I would say I do the majority of the time, is uh, I will, if I'm mixing, let's, let's just say, here's a typical mix that I make all the time. Cashmere peach, cane mint, um, foreplay on the peach, all thirds. It's a very common mix. It's not. It's not weird. If you don't, if you don't like cane peach, it might be. But um, how I do that is instead of pre-mixing the tobacco or measuring it out and dumping it and mixing it, I would just take my oyster fork, a third, a third, a third. Make sure it's at the level I want it to be and foil it. I won't even mix the flavors together. And that's because I think there is a even if it's only minor, I think there is some variance to the flavor profile when it comes to mixing it before you put it in the bowl or just partitioning it off in the bowl itself and not mixing it. I think there's at least a little bit of difference. And because of the way the human brain works, I notice a lot of difference. I always mix it like together. Like I'll pre-pack the bowl and get the amount of tobacco that I need. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I just add an extra, like a, an extra pinch of everything. Cause I know I'm going to lose some to the mat uh, and I'll dump it out. I'll mix it up with my hands. Like, I, for the longest time, I would not touch my tobacco. I had the oyster fork syndrome, like Tangiers ruined me. I was only using it with a fork. I was not touching it. Very sterile. You know, if hookah could be kosher, it was kosher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but now it's like, you know, I put it in there. I just whoop with the thumb, with the finger, just kind of around the rim, get all of it out and just, you know, I get in there and massage it, have fun with it. And, I especially do that if I'm mixing like uh, like types of tobacco, right? So yeah. like if you're gonna mix dirty mint, which is a dark leaf, with alfalfa passion fruit or something, which is like a blonde, I will always mix them. I know some people do layer packs, so they'll like put whatever the strongest flavor is on the bottom, and then they'll pack it down, and then they'll sprinkle the blonde leaf on top. Mm -hmm. um, for me, that just that takes a lot of work. Yeah, and it's extra time at packing the bowl. For I'm sure. I'm okay with like spending time packing a bowl, but at a certain point, I'm like, I just don't want to do that. Do <laughs> you, you know? race your coals? What do you mean? Do I race them? I always put the coals down, and that is the amount of time I have to finish packing the bowl from the time I turn the burner on hmm. to when I need to take the coals off. That's how much time I allot. It usually ends up being eight to nine minutes, which is plenty. Okay. It should be plenty so, of time to pack a bowl. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I don't race my coals. So I'll pack my bowl. Once I get my bowl perfect, I'll foil it and uh, I'll poke my holes because I just want to make sure my bowl's right. Uh, and then what I do is because my burner is about to die, it doesn't get hot enough to light my coals um, just by putting them on there and turning it on. Yeah. So I like kind of created like this faux wind cover out of tin foil that just covers my charcoal. It has a big hole in the top. And uh, I'll light, I'll turn the burner on, put my coals on, cover my charcoal. People do this with uh, those metal containers that hold uh, kitchen utensils from Ikea. Mm -hmm. uh, I just use tin foil because it's cheaper and it was there. Yeah. And so my coals will light in about five minutes, right? Start to finish. So I'll put my coals on, I'll take my hookah, 
put it where I'm going to smoke it, get it set up, get the hose ready, get my drink, you know, if it's water or if it's a beer or if it's a cocktail, whatever, I'll get that ready. And, you know, by then that's about five minutes. My coals are ready. I put them on. I do what I got to do. But there are a lot of people that race their coals and yeah. I've never heard it called that. Yeah, I, it's kind of came off out of my mouth, but um, I think that's just a decent way to explain it. The reason I do that is because uh, as much as I like packing a bowl, I do have this problem where like if I put my coals on, I'll go do something else while they're lighting and I'll forget. And I think my just said that's quite a long time. I'm assuming he's referring to my eight to nine minutes for coals to light up. If you have a really high wattage burner, they'll light faster. Um, my burner is not high wattage at all. And that's intentional, actually. I've got a double burner. It's an exterior burner with two burners. And I actually, I do something you shouldn't do and I shouldn't even say that I do it here. I preheat my Lotus. And when I say I preheat really? my Lotus, I do it at such a low temperature that I could still, I could probably get away with grabbing it for about a second without actually causing serious burns on my hands. But it's hot enough where when you put the coals in and put it on your tobacco, your bowl starts up maybe a minute or two faster. But um, if I leave my coals huh. on and walk away, I'll forget, I'll come back. They're going to be completely red before I flip them. And at that point, I, I used to try to salvage it. But when you let your coals burn down that much past their like perfect cherried form, you're going to lose session time and your bowl is not going to cook quite right um, because you're used to managing your heat a certain way. And most of us can't adjust it on the fly because you don't know exactly how much, how, how much heat or how much less heat it's producing yeah. in relationship to its size. So that's why I do that's that. That's interesting. For yeah, I used to I used to preheat my Lotus a little bit, and by that it was like when the coals were ready, I would flip them, and then I would put my Lotus on there. Yeah, and I would like count to thirty. I would count to thirty or something because yeah. I was like really afraid I was gonna melt. The terror stories are there, man. <laughs> you see the pictures of the poor soul that left the burner on too long, and there's a pool of Lotus. Like uh, the worst I saw was some guy like it melted over their mom's like nice like gas stove. Oh my god! Like you just uh, it's hard to you can't recover from that. Yeah, you got a melted lotus. Like mom, sorry, you know I ruined the seven thousand dollar range. Uh, my bad. You want to smoke some Nakala with me? Uh, no, like for me, I was so afraid. Uh, and now I don't preheat. I'll I actually light way more charcoal than I need when I'm using the lotus because my lid my lid sticks and. Uh, I've had so many corks fall off that I'm like definitely afraid to use it now. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put the coals in the Lotus and then I actually cover it with a wind cover. Yeah. Because for me, I want to get, I want to get the whole bowl warm, which is like, I get, I, not a lot of people do that. Right. So traditionally the Lotus just heats from the top down, mm -hmm. but I want to get the bowl hot too. Cause when the bowl gets hot, everything's rip roaring and ready. Mm -hmm. You and want so, heat all the way basically down to where the bottom of your tobacco is in the bowl. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't preheat your Lotus is what I'm going to say. Like, that's what you're supposed to say. But honestly, your Lotus is meant to take the heat from your coals. So if you're going to preheat your Lotus, and I know some of you do, I do. I'm admitting it here. Make sure I've got two separate burners. I've got like a double burner for that purpose. I set it to like a two, you know, because the two is not as hot as the coals burn. So it's going to be really hard to melt it, especially in the eight minutes I let it preheat. So there's a little bit of information no one asked for. I preheat my Lotus like a bad boy. <laughs> Um, if you, yeah. So let's talk about charcoal because like, that's another thing that people argue about. Obviously, when we were Which on the Amhuka podcast, the only charcoal we're going to be using is Prestige Bubbles, Coco Coals. Shout out to them. If you mm -hmm. haven't tried it, please try. Support the show. Hit the affiliate link. 
But when it comes to charcoal, there's so many different opinions because there's so many brands out there that get the job done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. There's, For, yeah, we are Prestige is their sponsor, but even Prestige is smart enough to know that like they're not the only brand in making a reasonable coal. Because of our sponsorship, I'm not going to start throwing names out there. If we do an episode on coal, we would talk to Prestige about it. That's not what this episode's on. But do your research. You know, like I recommend buying Prestige for our purposes. We love the guys over at Prestige. But if you are already a diehard fan of another brand of coal that competes and is on the same level, um, you're probably in good shape, right? I think that's the most for me. Charcoal just has to do a couple things, right? It has to keep my bowl hot, and I cannot have my charcoal exploding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want any of that. that's That's about that's about it for me. If it works. You know, I can adjust how much charcoal I'm using or how I heat manage depending on the, the heat level. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm smoking tangiers, I don't you know, I don't want a high heat coal mm-hmm. because I don't need a high heat coal because I know how to play with a medium heat coal. But, you know, if you're just kind of doing whatever you're doing, like if you're using a Lotus, you could pretty much use whatever. Don't use the uh, silver tabs because those will not heat the bowl up enough. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, right? If you've got, a, if you've got a brand that you like, people are dropping names right now. Yep. My Gil... Uh, whoever else said something up there. Yeah, use that if you like it, if it works for you. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work for you, try something else and, and see what's out there. Absolutely. Heat management with coals is, I think, one of the most... I think you have the most freedom there because I consider myself to smoke hot. Then I smoke with Dr. Nude Sauce and realize that I do smoke hot, but he smokes even hotter. And I smoke to people that, like cough when they hit my bowl so um, as far as heat management goes i don't think i have too much to say on it other than like you don't want your tobacco to taste burnt there's a way to overheat your bowl and still not burn your tobacco um i use the provost to do that actually um but you know there's no real hard science to how you're supposed to heat your bowl i know people that literally use one natural coal on their bowl get barely any clouds and they just want to smoke for the flavor i know people like that um a lot of it's actually a lot of old arabic dudes that do it like that around where i am because they don't care about the clouds they're very old school and then there's people like not even old arabic robert pope does that yeah he'll he'll put two char he'll put two charcoal on half the bowl Mm -hmm. and then he'll put a wind cover on and then when those coals are done he'll put two more on the other half Mm -hmm. and and just keep going back and forth like old school tangiers method right that's how you get those like marathon bowls right low heat just enough to get it smoking how you like it mm-hmm. and just kind of having fun with it absolutely um, there was like a noise i'm yeah, sorry i, I got very distracted was was weird. i heard like a water main or something i was like oh gosh you don't don't uh, but we're, we're we're good we're Tight. good charcoal use what you like and uh you know if it stinks try a different brand mm-hmm. yeah someone made a comment of what it explodes um, sometimes on the burner coals might like pop or crackle snap crackle pop rice krispies uh, you know, you don't want that, but, um, yeah, there's a few brands I wouldn't recommend using, um, for the sake of our sponsor, um, hit me up, not even privately. I'll just talk about it on like a Facebook live, my favorite holes. Um, there's a brand that I really think that no one should ever get period. And you all know what it is. Type it in the chat. Um, <laughs> but you might die cause there's nails in it. Proven. I've done the, I've actually done it. I've gotten a nail out of this hole. Um, that said, yeah, coals, there's not a whole lot to talk on there, but I think it is, do what you want. I, I mean, there's so many people that want to tell you how to manage a heat the heat on a bowl, but I think it just comes on whatever the fuck you want, right? If it's too hot, it's too hot. There you go, back down. You yeah, know, exactly. and if it's not hot enough, ease more into heat. it. Use more, yeah, and you'll fall into your own. You'll fall into your own rhythm. Bracken, what are you putting in your base? 
I put water in my base because that is like the and, and people like we're over here saying, don't let people tell you how to smoke, don't we're let people tell you what to do, what not to do. I'm gonna go on record right now. Put water in your base, clean yeah. water. Okay, don't put moldy water. Don't put pond water. Don't don't get clean water and put it in the base because it's going to. It's just going to be better, right? And, yep. and if you need me to dive, we can dive into it, right? The health of your hookah, right? If you want to pr- pr- uh, preserve the hookah stem, the part that's sitting in the water, you don't mm-hmm. want to have some crap in there, like that old myth that you put milk in the base and it makes your hookah more thick. I don't even know what that's about. If you it put milk in your base and you start smoking, it's going to bubble. Mm-hmm. It's going to bubble and it's going to get in your hose. It's going to get in your purge ball. It's going to get in the in the in the and in, in all the parts of the of the inners, it's just going to be milk. And you're going to have to go in there with a brush and hot water. And you're going to have to clean it. Otherwise, it's going to stink. And if you're not really up on your, like, a lot of us are really good about maintaining our hookahs. But if even I do this sometimes, we'll just leave it overnight. I avoid it when possible. But if you're someone that's just, like, susceptible to leaving your hookah and you don't smoke every day or you rotate through hookahs and you use milk, you're have you ever just, like left milk out by accident or like left a bowl of cereal in the sink and just like let the bowl you know that scent you literally when you smoke hookah you pull the air through this whole device before it gets to your lungs and do you want mildew to be part of that equation I don't I don't want mildew to be a part of that equation at all I think that's a dumb idea you know no spaghettios in the base no milk in the base alcohol in the base alcohol is better in your belly that's, that's, that's what I'm going to say about that. Don't waste it by pouring it yeah. in there. You don't need to be breathing it in. You know, don't pay action. Yeah, don't pay extra at the club for them to put alcohol in your base. Don't do it. It doesn't okay. make any sense. Pay extra for them to put alcohol in your glass. Yep. And drink responsibly if you're of age. At, if you're of age. 21. Um, and then oh, man. ice. I'm going to say that I don't use ice at all, but I will say that that's the one exception I make. If someone wants to put ice in, I'm not going to give them too much shit. Cause like that's fine. It's still water. It's it does make your session colder. I find that it dulls the flavor a bit, which is why I don't do it. Also, when the ice melts, your water level goes up a bit, which I think kind of sucks. Cause does ice, it? Well, the ice floats in the water, right? And a lot of the time, the ice isn't fully submerged. If you put a lot of it in there, and as it melts, any of the air bubbles in the ice or anything, they vanish, and then all of it becomes under the meniscus of the water. So. If you're really anal like me about the water level a lot of the time, you probably don't want it to adjust your water level. And that's very niche. That's like very small, but that's like one of the 25 reasons I don't like to put ice in my bases. Um, that said, if you're gonna put ice in your base, whatever. A lot of people do fresh fruit. I have noticed that it changes the flavor profile a bit. It's such a pain in the ass to clean fresh fruit out of your base. You know? I've never put I've never put any anything down in my base except for water. Yeah, that's. I think that's, you know, I think that's a really good rule of thumb. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see like if you're putting fruit in there, you're gonna have to go through and clean it out because yeah. like it's just gonna leave residue. But like yeah, it could definitely enhance the flavor. If you're smoking a lemon mint, and uh, you know you're an Instagram person, dude, put some lemon slices and some and some mint leaves in the base. It looks really good if you can get the lighting right and take a cool photo. Do it for the gram, right? Yeah, go for it. Just don't. Just don't leave it in there because it'll probably start to grow something. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Also, like if you've got a narrow base opening, you have to get in there with tongs, which is something I don't mess with. Matt Dezen's in the chat, in the air. What's going on, Matt Dezen, in the chat, in the air? You came, look, I love how I wait for the last 15 minutes of the podcast to chime in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Tunes Matt. In. We're, we're, in. we're doing it. You already missed the lion share of the conversation, but welcome to the AB Hookah Podcast because Bracken's name's Bracken and Matt's not here. My name's Adrian, so Mab. There you go. Um, yeah, it keeps freezing, probably because you're in the air. 
It's probably because you're in the sky and plane Wi-Fi is a fugazi. It could work. It can work. It no, it usually work. does work. I've just I've seen I've had problems. Um, anyway, so we talked about packing a bowl. We talked about the the water level, the diffuser, the charcoal. Does the hose garbage in the make too. A, Does the hose make a difference when you're smoking? I think it does to an extent. I think the yeah, first place I'll talk on this for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, go for because it. Because for me, I started out smoking with the KM Rainbow Hose. Mm-hmm. That's the first hose I ever had. Not washable. I was very lucky because it's non washable. Exactly. I was very lucky because I got plugged into the Reddit group like many, many years ago when mm-hmm. that was the place to go for information. It was like right at the time that all the forums were kind of dying off, people were trying to find a home. And someone mentioned if you took the hose and you held it by the handle and the, and the port and you smacked it on the wall, you could see the dust come out. And so I tried that and there was dust that just came, it just came pouring out, mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me. I quit smoking for two weeks because I was trying to save up. I bought myself a Nemore washable hose. Back in the day, those were the only hoses that you could get that were washable and they worked very well, right? I, I think when it really comes down to a hose, you gotta find a couple things. You gotta make sure that it'll fit the hookah, mm-hmm. right? I bought the uh, Turkish hose from Hookah John. I love the way it looks. I always wanted a Turkish hose. My friend had one, it was an Elmas. We called it the whale dick. I love it. It's just massive. It won't fit any of my pipes, so I can't use it, but it's washable. And that's like the one thing I'm, I, I, I hark on is like, if you're smoking, get a washable hose whether that be a narbish or an amour or an asley or any of those like tr- kind of traditional style washable hoses or go with the new trend of the silicone right you can see i'm using it now adrian's using it now they come in a variety of colors these are kind of see-through those aren't see-through uh you want to get like uh, some people uh, the argument soft touch non-soft touch for me it doesn't matter it just has to be washable because i'm smoking so many flavors mm-hmm. i don't want it to ghost also, and i don't want i don't want inhale rust little pro tip um amazon.com you can buy soft touch silicon by the foot in rolls on amazon so one thing i found out i think it's paul that does this is he will change his soft touch silicon or whatever silicon out every year and i endorse that because there actually is some yellowing to this hose because i've had this hose for quite a while now um but that's cool too i think there's an argument for some people having non-washable hoses and for me, that is the cost of entry versus ghosting. Um, I re- I do keep a double apple, now washable hose around. It gets thrown away every four months on the month. Um, and it's it, it would be even sooner, but I use it sparingly. It's not something I break out every day. And there is a trick to clearing any particles out of a now washable hose. It's kind of archaic, but it does work. Um, some people will bang it against the wall or something. I don't think you need to do that. I swing it around. I do it to dry my washable hoses too. Um, so that's kind of a weird archaic thing that not a lot of people do anymore, but I like a non-washable hose for like double apples, lemon mint, stuff like that. I only ever have one at a time, but also the non-washable hoses, the ones I get here, I know a guy who carves the handles out of wood and he sells them for like 15 bucks and like, it's a nice aesthetic piece too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. If you're going to ghost a flavor in a hose, like Adrian said, you can replace it every so often, but there is something kind of fun about ghosting a flavor. It'll, it will increase the, the intensity of a flavor over Absolutely. time. Right. Um, people do it with bowls. Uh, some certain unglazed bowls mm-hmm. will retain flavor. Uh, you can, you can do that, but, um, you know, yeah, if you have one and you have been washing it out and you've been using it and it's been, I don't know, half a year, maybe it's time to upgrade. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you've been maybe, using, maybe the, it's time to upgrade. You can't hold those non-washable hoses forever. Um, me, I am actually partial to soft touch silicon. That's just because I got a lot of hair. Everyone in my house has a lot of hair, except for my roommate who is bald. Um, but I don't like like shit on my hoses. Um, and the soft touch for me isn't quite as uh, like I've got the original D hose hose, and those catch particles pretty. Is that what that is? Yeah, That's what this is, yeah. yeah, which is a fine hose. Don't get me wrong. And you're buying quality. Um, it's just a preference thing. I like soft touch. This actually came with the matte pair, so I, you can actually see it. Speaking of hoses fitting, when you buy a matte pair, keep in mind you're only going to be able to use the hose it comes with, or you'll have to take out this hose port and put it on another hose. But yeah, matte pair hose, very cool. Also, what do you think about you springs it? on hoses? What do you think about this? Uh, are you talking about like the preventative measure for kinking? Mm-hmm. I think if you have a hose that is prone to kinking, you know, maybe the it's not as resilient to wear and tear over time. I mean, obviously, you wash it out with hot water over time, all silicone becomes much more malleable mm -hmm. and it'll just kind of lose its integrity and it'll, it'll bend. And when, it, when that happens for me, it's like, all right, time for a new one, right? I don't right. necessarily have any hoses that have the spring on them. Uh, because none of them are are prone to kinking out of the box, right. but some of those soft touch silicones they're heavy. Yeah, they're heavy hoses, right? It's a solid material. It's washable. It's medical grade. Whatever. Blah blah blah. Marketing. If you if if you find your hose kinking, get yourself a spring, or you know maybe you're just too redneck for it. Just wrap duct tape around it. You know, mm -hmm. make yourself your little makeshift splint. Keep it from kinking. That will. If you notice it's like really hard to pull, check the hose port. If you got a bend, we all pulled the prank on someone when we were young when they had the garden hose and you kink it and then they're looking at it and they look into it and you unkink it and it shoots them in the face. You don't want that. You want to be able to, you know, have your hose working. I'm trying to read the chat here because most of the time this is what I do. We do have a question and, uh, and from Travis Green. He says, do we have a preference on foil length? I think that's an interesting question. What does that mean? foil link there is a school of people that tend to think that if your foil is long enough that it encompasses the entire top portion of your bowl maybe to some extent down the uh, stem of your bowl that it will help the bowl retain heat um i don't know if this okay. is true um so what do you think do you what do you do do you i actually sometimes cut my foil to make my bowl look prettier more aesthetically pleasing okay um, but i i know more than more than one person that literally foils almost the entire bowl and i don't even think there's anything necessarily wrong with that but what are your thoughts i'd say the top half of my bowl has foil on it right now that's a pretty good thought just i like that thought just 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 because that's just how it went down i you know for me i really am not a big fan of foil drag yeah so absolutely. that's like that's like the one way to automatically ruin my session is if i'm hitting it and it's foil drag so for me i always make sure i have enough foil to go around the top and down a little bit so that i can crimp it and it'll hold my provost or my charcoal or whatever I'm putting on top. So for foil length for me, all I got to do is make sure that it'll hold the weight. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big proponent of the school of thought of like showing off my bowl because I don't really have a lot of bowls that are beautiful. Right. I have a couple bowls that are beautiful, but I look at them and then I pack them and then I look at them when I'm done packing them. But yeah. You know, look at that bowl behind you. It's it's that's a stone Genesis, right? The, Yellow the and white. I, it might be a it, I know fit? it's a fit, but. Whatever. You don't. You don't necessarily want to cover that bowl. Right. Right. Absolutely. You, it you is pay money for it. You want to see it. You want to show it off. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you can get it just right, and you can, you know, get it, and you can cut it around the top, and get it just so it holds it. That's all that matters. Right. Absolutely. Uh, me. Yeah. I'm. I, my preference is to show off more of my bowl, if I can. 
but I don't put too much thought into it usually. If I'm doing like an Instagram post or I've got some friends coming over, I want to be like, look at how cool my shit is. I'm the coolest. I'll cut it. If not, I'll foil it. If I'm using something like the ST bowl, which is a kind of a chode, the whole thing's covered in foil because I don't want it to foil drag. So that, that's my opinion. I don't know that having your foil longer necessarily helps with keeping your bowl warmer. Um, it could, but that's that's science that I'm not educated enough to. It's like, a, it's like a jacket. It's a jacket for your bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything, I hate to say it, we're five minutes from off time. So is there anything in comments that we want to touch on? I don't know, guys in the comments, what have we talked about that you agree with? What have we talked about that you don't agree with? Or maybe there's another topic for the next five or ten minutes you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Let it in the thank you, Travis Green, for being active in the chat today. I know we've talked about several of your of of your questions, so we do appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we can just banter for a little bit while while the people in the chat hear what we're saying. You know, there's like that little bit of delay. You know, really, when it comes down to it, I think the overall statement is like, find out what you love mm-hmm. and love what you find out. Right? Yep. You know, put love in your bowl, and your lo- and your bowl will love you back. And own your and shit. I, that, you, know, you know, if you got a way you do things that no one else does it, it's just it means you're different, which be, is a good thing. Be proud of it. You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> that being said, there are several people on the internet who are very proud of what they do, and I watch them, and I'm like, I don't know, you could really improve your session by changing a few things, right? Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I try not to get like sucked down into the rabbit hole. Someone made a comment about electric burners, your coil burner shocking you. Yeah, I've had that. Uh, my, if your coil burner is shocking you, there's a couple options. First, my recommendation is get a new one. Yes. Because I have a healthy fear slash respect of electricity. I do not play with it. <laughs> and any, any amount of electricity that's dangerous, oh, and if it, if it hits your, if it, if it'll cross your heart, it could stop it. And you don't want that. So if you got your metal tongs and you're reaching down to flip your coals and it's biting you a little bit, maybe it's time to buy a new burner and throw that one away. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the funds, right, here's another trick. Unplug it, flip your coals, plug it back in. Yes. Right? Don't do what I did. Growing up, my, what did you do? One time I was flipping bur- the coals on the burner and then I went to rinse my hand over here. And um, there must have been a shortening or something, but I grabbed the coal and put my other hand through running water and had an afro for a moment. Yeah. See, you don't want to play around with that. Don't do that. Just just don't. It's not worth it. Yeah. If, if the, minute a, the minute my coil burner shocks me, it's going in the garbage. I got a new one, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of I come to the point now where I like to keep an extra burner in my stash in the closet waiting just to kind of keep one on on reserve because i don't ever want to not have a burner because to me that's like the worst because those bowls that you can't smoke because you don't have a burner are the bowls that you want to smoke or you need to smoke you had a bad day or a good day those are the bowls that you need the most they're the bowls you're coming home from work or school or class or a date or a night out on the town and you're hyped to get home to get your stretchy pants on and pack your double apple because you got to watch some lucifer and you're ready and then you get there and your coil burner hits the shit hits the, the it hits the, it shits the bed it doesn't work and now you're just stuck watching netflix like you were when you were 17 because none of us smoked before we turned 18 that's right? correct <laughs> he says because uh, my new burners are shocking staffs and lounges and it's new it only shocks people when people are touching other metal stuff while picking a coal up yeah my that means there's a short yeah. uh, anytime that that's happening that means there's a incorrect wiring Generally, you don't want a live current flowing through the burner 
Another option is you can get tongs that are longer that have a rubber handle, something to insulate. Uh, but man, I would tell you, go get a burner that doesn't shock you. If, like I said, if you can't get one, just unplug it. Um, un- like, you know, wrap some electrical tape around where you're going to unplug it, create some sort of insulation, unplug it, flip your coals, plug it back in. Cause the last thing you want is to die from like cardio cardiac arrest because your yeah, heart stops because then you got a bowl that's not going to get smoked. You're dead. And your coals are going to burn out, so you just literally wasted everything possible. And that's impolite to anyone that might find you, so don't do that either. A couple more questions I do want to take before we get out of here. One of them is, I'll do the one that came first. Is there a certain way you guys shift your coals and does it make a difference? And I think, personally, what I do um, is I will kind of listen to my bowl. And this is going to sound really voodoo, like I'm a rain man. But um, if my bowl is <laughs> overheating, instead of removing a coal, I might flip one up on its side. This is called Stonehenging. I'm reiterating this because I went through my first six months of smoking hearing people say Stonehenge and having no fucking clue what they were talking about. So when you refer to something as Stonehenging, it's literally just taking your flat coal and doing it like that. You can't Stonehenge a cube coal. I heard someone talk about that after I learned what Stonehenging was and shortly realized that this person was an imbecile. Um, and, and that's basically it. And like, if I'm not using a heat management device, heat management device, like a provost, um, I will s- rotate them maybe once after 15 minutes and then I'll leave them be until the next set of colds is there. What about you, Bracken? For me, I use a provost now, like all the time. If I'm not using my Lotus, man, the provost is such a nice way. Mm-hmm. It's just a cheat. It's, it's, it's like the Tesla auto drive, Yep, man. It it makes it so much easier because all you have to do is like worry about total temperature instead of locational temperature. But like if like I did exactly what you did back in the day, right? Put my coals on there. I would actually start them Stonehenge because I wanted to ease my bowl into the heat. So if I had a larger bowl, maybe it was like four flats, I would Stonehenge them all mm-hmm. and then leave it on there for five minutes. Maybe I would be smoking a little bit. Notice that my heat wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. I would drop one down. Okay, I let it. I'd let it kind of equilibrium a little bit. Put the opposite one down. You know, and I would just continue to put a coal down until it got to the point where I liked it. Um, but that being said, if you have like some charcoal, they will not stonehenge. Once you light them, like they'll burn and they burn round, and there's no hope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if it's just like a 90 degree rotation, if you got three coals, just move them to an unspent spot. I mean, that's kind of faux pod in some communities, but you know, if you're smoking one round or you're smoking a blonde, it can definitely handle it. You know, you just want to make sure that you're not scorching. Um, did that answer your question? X S X two three X. I sure hope I don't know. did. And we do have one more question that I wanted to get to. This is a simple one for me. Does hose length change smoke intake? Bracken, what do you think? Hose length? I don't even know that question. For me, I want my hose to be long and and not have to worry about me pulling my hookah over. Mm-hmm, right. Absolutely. So wherever I'm sitting, wherever I'm sitting, where I put my hookah, my hose needs to be long enough so that I can smoke and put it down and pull it back up. And I'm not going to worry about tipping my hookah over. So, uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to the length of my hoses now because they're all kind of standard. A lot of the silicone hoses are, are a little bit longer. Uh, you know, if you find yourself, you know, tugging on a hookah because you're not sitting close enough, maybe it would be wise to look into a longer hose, mm-hmm. but I'm not quite sure if the length of the hose in, in, in a marginal sense affects your hookah, like the cloud. Right. I, I, don't I would definitely say if you have like a 20 foot hose. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
that's an that, that's a that's an outlier. That's a, that's the extreme, right? That will definitely affect it because you're going to have to huff and puff just to get it, right? But when it comes to three feet to five feet length, you know, whatever the average is, I'm not quite sure inches make a difference. You know, yeah. I'm not quite sure a foot will make that much of a difference. But 20 feet, something uh, ridiculous like those Instagram posts where the dude's hitting the hookah in the bathroom and there's 17 hoses connecting the hookah to his neighbor's house that is in the high rise across yes. the main road in downtown Detroit. Um, that will change your session. But other than that, I don't think it's going to matter. And to answer the last question, um, how do you Stonehenge Three Kings? Put them in the garbage unlit. Yeah, or put them in the garbage lit. No, 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 don't do that. Okay, don't do that. You're going to burn someone's house down. They're going to come after the AM Hooker podcast. We do not have the insurance to cover that. Tommy, if you're, you're late. Smoking three, Sorry. If you're smoking three kings, you probably can't think about stone hinging. If what you got is quick lights, uh, I don't I don't really smoke them. So I would say invest in a burner. Invest in natural light. You'll notice a flavor enhancement because it won't taste bad. It's not like the natural coals are going to make your bowl taste better. It's just going to be the absence of them of the quick lights making your bowl taste. Absence worse. of gunpowder and sulfur is going to do a lot of good things for your session. Um, that said, Bracken, I hate to say this, but we are absolutely out of time. Yo, that's what's up. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll do this. Hold on, let me just be uh, Matt really quick. Thank you for joining us this week. Tune in on Wednesday and Friday for more AM Hookah content. Be sure to hit that bell icon, smash that subscribe button before we go live, uh, to know the moment we go live, dab. And uh, if you want to find us on the internet, you can follow us by using Twitter and Instagram. That's uh, AM Hookah. And big thank you to Prestige Bubbles. And then, by the way... Adrian, where can they find you? If you want to find me on YouTube, it's Pipe Dream Hookah, or you can find me here, like you are right now. And if you want to find me on Instagram or the Twitter, you can find me at the, T-H-E, underscore, Pipe Dream, all one word. And if you want to find me on Facebook, you know my rant. My name's Adrian Hunter. Go find me on Facebook, or I can't help you. Bracken, what about you? Is there any place people might want to find you? If you want to find me, I exist in the online communities. I'm a moderator at Hookie University, so you can come over there starting a weekly session called Packing with Bracken, where we talk about different tobaccos and how I pack them. Uh, last week, we did a little bit of Tangiers because that's what I have open. And spoiler alert, I pack what's open. So uh, that's what we got going on there. If you're involved in a Facebook community that is about hookah already, Thank you for being a part. Mm -hmm. Make sure you tell your friends in the group about the AM Hookah Podcast, about how much fun you have watching us. If you like it, drop that like button. If you don't like it, smash that dislike button. But I will say, if you're going to hit the dislike button, send us a DM on why you did it. Because yeah. we would love to make the show better. And constructive criticism is always, always appreciated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are dead out of time. Matt, thanks for tuning in at the end. Uh, Matt, if you know who Cinnamon is, you can let us know in private and then I'll just scream it in public if you don't want to say it in public that said thank you guys so much for watching I'm Adrian Hunter so I get to close this out the way I want to thank you guys so much for watching and as always happy smoking